Xenologic. What's good, guys? And welcome to another episode of Zeno's Mini Football Logic. It's Zeno here. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the sacking of Thomas Tuchel as Chelsea manager. Now, this is something that maybe many people hadn't seen happening. This is something that maybe we saw as unlikely. But to the eyes of the new people that are now running Chelsea Football Club, this was something that was happening for a while now. The interest in the successor, Graham Potter, was strong. Now, in pre-season, Tuchel was already complaining about the conditions in which the team was having their pre-season in the United States. And they lost 4-0 to Arsenal. Already there was cracks showing signs that maybe this was going to be a tough season ahead. And ultimately he got sacked without really being given much of a chance with the new players that were invested for him. And that's what makes this situation much more strange because if they were planning to sack him at the first sign of danger, then why did they support him with so many players? For such expensive prices like Cucurella and Fofana, it just doesn't make sense. But at Chelsea, they kind of have a way of doing things successfully in a way that doesn't make sense. Now, this sacking of Tuchel has shades of the previous owner, Roman Abramovich, who would sack a coach just for having a period of uncertainty and instability and a lack of success. Now, it looked like he was changing with the appointment of Lampard, but they were kind of forced into that, you know, acquisition simply because of the fact that, you know, Chelsea had a transfer embargo and therefore the priority that year was to develop young players. Once Lampard was then back financially, he wasn't able to make it work. Now, with Tuchel, it's completely different. He took over from that Lampard team, turned them into instant Champions League winners, also won them the Club World Cup, and also did well to... And I think they won the Super Cup as well. And it also did well to um, reach a couple more finals, only to lose to Liverpool in penalty shootouts with the help of Mason Mount. <laughs> so, it feels like on paper, his time at Chelsea had been quite successful. He won some trophies. He kept them relevant. Obviously, in terms of the title race in the Premier League, they weren't the most competitive, but they were one of the best teams for sure. After Man City and Liverpool, you would say Chelsea were the best of the rest. So obviously, the start of the season wasn't maybe what they dreamed of or what they wanted. You know, It started off a bit rocky with a win against Everton, then a really good performance against Spurs, and you know, they managed to still only be unfortunate enough to get a draw, but they performed really well, and Toko said how proud he was of the team. So they kind of like thought, okay, the pre-season is pre-season, you can't look into that. The 4-0 demolition by Arsenal was a sign of maybe Arsenal's development as a team rather than Chelsea's, you know, undevelopment. And then the Leeds game happened. They got absolutely run off the pitch. I'm not going to say outplayed or run off the pitch. Leeds just worked harder than them. And Chelsea made some mistakes, Mendy. That, you know, cost them the game, you know? What can you do about that? They were just out for, out energised, like outworked. And that is worrying because there's different ways to lose a football game, right? You can be, you can be outplayed. But can you really be like outdone in terms of effort and heart? That's dangerous. You shouldn't be doing that. You should not be doing that. But maybe you can default it to early season, you know, beginnings. It's tough to get, you know, to the swing of things early. Liverpool could tell you that for sure. They've been struggling a lot throughout the season already so far. You know, recently they just got completely crushed by Oshiman's Napoli. Yes, I said Oshiman's Napoli. And what? Nonetheless, they were run off the pitch. 
in that game. But we're talking about Chelsea here. So obviously they bounced back with a win against Leicester. You know, escaped 2-1 win with 10 men. It was a very good performance because, you know, they had the numerical disadvantage and they still managed to show their quality. But, you know, Leicester are probably the most out-of-touch and out-formed team probably in England for stop. They've been absolutely horrendous. And then they lost to Hampton. And this performance is where things started to get really, really, really worrying. Like, wow. Like my little brother said, he was a, he's a Chelsea fan, unfortunately for him. He said these players were free roaming. It was like they didn't know where they were. Like what? Like the key thing about Tuchel and the one of the key things people have said about him in a negative sense is that he doesn't play his players in the right position. You know, central attacking midfielder Havertz playing as a false nine. Central attacking midfielder Mount playing as a central midfielder or as a right winger or as a left winger. You know, you got Ziyech who's an attacking mid slash winger playing as a right wing back. You know, left wing back, Loftus Cheek playing right wing back when he's clearly a centre mid. You know, it it just it just seemed like he was putting square pegs in round holes. You know, but it was working for him most of the time. It was, and but this season it seemed the Southampton game just seemed like it reached an, an epitome, in the sense that they these players just didn't know what they were doing. And once again, Southampton outworked and outfought them, and managed to earn the victory. You could say they deserved. And then they beat West Ham. Again, it wasn't convincing, but they got the job done. They, it should have been a draw, in fact, but Mendy did well to cheat. Yes, I said it. Okay, you know what? Let me, let me be objective about this, okay? Because I am losing my objectivity. <laughs> Obviously, the goal that was ruled that was controversial, and in the looks of it, he made contact with the keeper, and it clearly hurt the keeper, no matter how... It, no matter if David Moyes thinks it was fake or not, he clearly was affected by it. We'd, only Mendy knows if he was really hurt by that foot or not by Jared Bowen. But the point is, they didn't look convincing in that match once again. And then the crowning embarrassment. The game, the open, the game that that basically got Tuchel sacked, according to many people. The Champions League opener against Dinamo Zagreb. Now, these boys, these guys are traditional whipping boys in the Champions League. Dinamo Zagreb are just farmers in this tournament, right? They, get, they come just to participate. No offence to you Dinamo Zagreb fans, you know. I don't know if the realistic ones are out here listening to what I'm saying now, you would agree with me. Obviously, you have aspirations for your club to do better in these big competitions, but obviously it's tough when, you know, the gap in quality is so large in terms of financial resources and all that kind of stuff. You know, Dinamo Zagreb are a team that have tried. You know, historically they've had big wins before coming back against Tottenham in an Europa League knockout stage game with an Orsich masterclass, for example. You know, sleeping on the job Tottenham, but that's not the first time they've done that in their history, recent history especially. But they hosted Chelsea in the Champions League opener and once again they outfought and outworked Chelsea. Beat them 1-0. Scored the goal. Once again, it was bloody Orsic. And, you know, they parked the bus. And Chelsea could not, for the life of them, break them down. And they once again looked organ disorganised and confused about what they wanted to do out there. Attacking-wise, Chelsea have always struggled under Tuchel. But what was the saving grace was the defending. But now that defending was no longer there, they were no longer the same team and they were an absolute disaster. It's easy to say that this was a long time coming because Chelsea haven't really been the same since like February this year, last season. And it's like they've been on this downhill slope for a while now. And it feels like Todd Bolly really likes the name Graham Potter because once Tuchel was sacked, they went straight on the phone to Brighton once again and said, we don't, we don't just want Cucurella, we also want the manager. 
You know what I mean? And it's backroom stuff. And they went and got Potter almost instantly. You know? Almost as if this whole thing was planned before the Dino Mazzo Crab game. The harsh reality is, there's many whispers coming around now that this was this was a, a move a long time in the making. Chelsea, under Todd Bolly, are now looking to, to not be what they have been in the past under Abramovich. They're looking to be watched to be a to be what Chelsea to be what Chelsea to be what Liverpool and Man City have built and what Tottenham are trying to build. They're trying to have a manager be in charge of a project and to have the manager develop the team or develop with the team in Graham Potter's case to develop with the team and to push them to consistent long-lasting success because then that means a culture and a strategy has been implemented into the club and shouldn't you know continue Chelsea's past tradition of kind of like cyclistic success where they got a manager wore him out didn't give him much of a chance to like bounce back and then fired him it's more like now Graham Potter we're giving you the keys and we want you to develop this team and you can tell by the signings and the way that Tuchel and Bolly disagreed on signings. For example, the sale of Gilmore. Well, Graham Potter likes Gilmore, hence why he brought him to Brighton. Todd Bolly was probably really thinking at that point, I want Graham Potter to replace Tuchel one day, so I don't want Gilmore to go because Potter's going to come here and he's going to make use of Gilmore. Tuchel said, get him out of here. I want him sold. He's not going to play here. Obviously, Tuchel thinks he's staying there from, you know, for a while longer. Todd Bolly's thinking he might not. The move went ahead anyway and Gilmore joins Brighton. Now it's nothing but pain for the boy because now, now Potter's gone to Chelsea. But I still think Gilmore could do well at Brighton. Nonetheless, on top of that, Cristiano Ronaldo. Chelsea wanted him. Todd Bolly wanted him. Togo said, hell nah. I do not want this guy in my team. He does not help. They obviously ended up signing Aubameyang instead as the striker signing to replace Lukaku. And he's early days, we're not going to judge him yet, but it seems like they've had a couple of key disagreements and you can tell they're not on the same wavelength. And I know for sure that the signings of Choco Mecca and Cesare Casade are signings that maybe he didn't really want. He wanted maybe more experienced players. That's kind of how Toko's kind of been. He wants more experienced players in this case. And signing, you know, Fafana, maybe I'll say Toko wanted Fafana and Cucurella. For sure, that's why the money was invested into them. But the Choco Mecca and Casade signings, now that Graham Potter's in charge, it makes more sense. These are players that Potter can get a hold of and grow and, de- and grow and develop them so all in all it looks like Chelsea are completely changing tack here they're becoming a team that they're changing from a team that once depended on cyclistic success which created the bedrock of their modern success their general success because their recent success is the most success they've ever had and they're changing from that now to a longer term strategy and taking a risk by putting Graham Potter here now he first made his name taking Ostersunds up the leagues from like I think one of the lower Swedish leagues up into the Europa League where they topped it all off by beating Arsenal I believe at the Emirates and this is where everyone started to pay attention because there's an English guy manning in Swedish teams like who is this guy you know what I mean like he was impressive you know he seemed like a good coach that transformed the club then obviously via Swansea I believe he ended up at Brighton and at Brighton two you know sub-average seasons where Brighton became the XG merchants, you know, dollies that create hella chances but don't know how to take them. More pie. And as a result of that, you could see the potential in that team. He was developing something there. Even though they finished 15th in his first season and 16th in his next, they then finished 9th the next season. Suddenly the XG merchants were finally taking their chances, you know what I mean? And this season they started off unbelievably well and they were currently 4th when Potter left the job. 
So whoever takes that role to replace Potter has a good thing going there and his responsibility is to try and keep that feel-good factor going. Brighton are probably going to appoint some, I'm not going to say next man, but they're going to go for a left-field appointment because that's kind of how what Graham Potter was. Even though he was highly rated, it was a question of who would take the risk to actually let him come to the Prem and give him time to develop and to implement what he had implemented at Ostersons. Brighton were the perfect team for him as it seems and now he's moved on to bigger and better things. Chelsea's going to be a completely different game. A lot more risk, a lot more money, a lot more potential responsibility and a lot more pressure for success because even though this is a project, they want to see signs of improvement and growth. Now, I was telling this to my little brother the other day. Chelsea are going to have to show Graham Potter the same faith that Arsenal has shown in Mikel Arteta. Because the harsh reality is, okay, but Arteta is a rookie coach. But he's had, but obviously he's Pep Guardiola's protege, so you're going to expect him to have some something about him. You know, the documentary showed that, you know, he's like Pep Light, isn't he? Pep, you know, yeah, Pep version 2, you know, slightly weaker, bit weaker, a lot weaker. But point is, he's a manager that was given you know, trust and faith by the board and they believed in him and now he's repaining that faith. They've had a fine, fine season up until the L by United. United handed them that fat L. And like I said, Arsenal, are they going to really be serious contenders? They need to start turning around their form against big six sides because, boy, that performance pretty much shows that they're, they're, they're improving but they're not quite there yet. Nonetheless, they need to back him at the back of Teto. You know, they have to share the same vision, which I think they do and they got just support it no matter where if he produces results Graham Potter like Tuchel has done they have to accept this is part of the project he isn't going to get everything totally right from the beginning and if they give him that faith I feel like Graham Potter will bring success because there's a new owner around I believe that this could happen because you know there was a full storm with Lampard when the Bambam Bishop pointed him and he kind of just said oh you're saying we're not good enough to compete uh, get out of here man you know what I mean? I feel like Todd Body might be might, more, might be a bit more patient, even though he sat Tuchel with the quickness. I think he should have been given a few more games, honestly. But this whole season, they've not looked convincing, apart from maybe the Spurs game and the second half of the Leicester game. What do you even say second half? Most of the Leicester game, really. But, you know, Tottenham don't always do well against, traditionally, and Leicester are just terrible, aren't they? You know? And losing to Dinamo as a grab? <sighs> Clearly, it's not something you want to be doing, you know? But it seems that Todd Bowley always had his eye on sacking him and getting rid of him because he's completely changed that place. Marina Gravina-Skaya left, Petr Cech left. So it's like they're completely rebuilding things over there. And Todd Bowley's kind of been in control of a lot of the things that are going on right now in Chelsea. And clearly Tuchel just didn't fit with his vision. You know how it is when a new owner comes in and they have a new vision and the people that are in place just don't match it. Chelsea are just trying to restructure everything to fit the vision of the owner. You know, just like Newcastle did with Eddie Howe coming in to replace Steve Bruce, completely different ideas on how to play football. And look at Newcastle now thriving. But obviously, Newcastle are coming from a much lower position. Chelsea, you could almost say this season they're going to have to just accept maybe not finishing in the Champions League spots because now they're building towards something. And eventually, they'll get back there and be stronger than what they were when they were there beforehand under Tuchel. But that's the idea, anyways. And it's a big risk because obviously, Graham Potter's never managed a big club. And this is going to be his first big test as a manager. We're going to see just how strong his principles are. And we're going to see how strong his success is going to be at that club, at Chelsea. I'm just happy to see an English manager at a big six team in the English league. It's maybe what we need out here. But to think Chelsea are the ones to do this? <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how everything goes. Because they have a great academy as well on top of that. And Graham Potter, well, he's reasonably good enough at you know, producing young talent and helping them come through. You know, he managed to sign Lamptey, developed him, 
Um, ben White. Can I say Ben White? Ben White, he loaned him out, then he really had him for one season that he left to join Arsenal. But he, honestly, it's 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 a really smart signing and he Pot has the potential to go big time. So I was going to have to sit here and wait and see. But overall, the second of Tuchel, you can say is justified, but harsh. Because Chelsea haven't really looked convincing at all most of the season. And they haven't looked convincing for a while now. That's the harsh reality of it. Even though you'd believe that Tuchel had earned the time he was given. And more to kind of fix the problem. But replacing with Potter just shows that Tuchel just didn't fit the vision of the club now. Under the new ownership. And they wanted a manager that they can say, okay, he's going to develop with the team. And we're going to try and create what Man City and Liverpool have created. Even though Liverpool feels, feels like Liverpool stuff is crumbling over there. Due to a lack of recruitment. Nonetheless... Chelsea potentially it could go great for them it could go good it can go great for them or it could go bad for them that's just how it works with these types of risks so all you can really ask is for them to give him time give Graham Potter time to adjust to a big club to adjust to managing a different set of players to give him time to apply his principles and to see how strong these principles are to be applied at such a big club but that's going to be all for today's episode. A bit longer than normal. We're reaching like 18 minutes up in this Not going to swear. <clears throat> but yes, I hope you enjoyed listening. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode of Zeno's Mini Football Logic. Be sure to like and subscribe. And yeah, man. Goodbye for now. Mini Logic.